In November of 2017, I ran in the New York City Marathon. And the winner of the marathon that year was a man from Kenya named Jeffrey Kamwara. And he ran 26.2 miles in 2 hours, 10 minutes, and 53 seconds. There he is, crossing the finish line. Now, I wish I had a better angle because if you look behind him in the background, just a little bit behind him, you won't see me. That's because I ran the marathon (laughs) in five hours, 28 minutes, and who cares how many seconds. Okay? (laughs) Here's a picture of me crossing the fence. There I am. (laughs) I'm praising Jesus. I I thought Krispy Kreme would have sponsored me, but I got a GC sponsorship. All right. (laughs) You'll notice that the sun was shining when Jeffrey crossed the finish line. It was nighttime by the time I got there. By the way, this is proof, okay? This is photographic evidence that I actually did run in the race. Some of y'all don't believe me, even though I have the body of an elite athlete. Donut eater. <laughs> I'm a fine tuned athletic machine. Five hours, 28 minutes. And actually, as a joke, a, a friend of mine got me a trophy. And, and I brought it with me today. Okay, here it is. This is what it says. It says, 2017 New York Marathon, 42,167th place. You were so close. <laughs> Man, I almost had it. And you know what's hilarious about this trophy is that there's absolutely nothing special about coming in 42,167th place. You see, some people ran the race to win. I just ran to make it to the finish line. Some people ran that day to accomplish something. I just wanted to make it to the end of the race. And there, there's a spiritual principle here because that attitude is not acceptable in the kingdom of God. Did y'all hear me this morning? Oh, I'm sorry. He thought you would get Joel Osteen today. <laughs> Praise the Lord, you are special. You are so special and so important. But listen to me. I, I've got another Joel shut up. i got a fire shut up in my bones this morning. I feel the spirit of prophecy moving today. I hear the prophet Jeremiah saying, you need to go find the old paths, and when you walk therein, you will find rest for your weary soul. It's time for the people of God to not follow Simple, just just enough to make it into heaven. It's time that we find the old landmarks and follow them again. Far too many people have the wrong attitude of all I want to do is just make it into heaven. I came here today to expose that lie from hell because it is not only the wrong attitude as a child of God, but it does not please God whatsoever. That idea that I just want to barely squeak my way into heaven is a deception from the enemy that is robbing you. My Bible says the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. And Christians who are living there with that mindset of I just want to barely make it in, the enemy is stealing the purpose of God from your life. He is robbing you of gifts and talents and abilities, and he is killing any fruit that you would bear for God's kingdom on earth. Mm. I'm fine here today, but that's all right. 
This is such a dangerous deception. Not only does it keep you from living out your kingdom on earth, listen to me, it's robbing you of heavenly rewards. Your assignment this week, and I know a lot of you read it because I've been getting questions all week long. Your assignment was to read the book of Revelation. And for those who read it, you know the warning to the church at Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3. And to the angel of the church of Laodicea, this is Jesus talking, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, what did Jesus say? I will vomit you out of my mouth. Cold, complacent, Christianity Christianity makes Jesus sick, y'all. Jesus says, because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, uh-oh, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, in other treasures in heaven, that you may be rich in white garments. What does white garments represent? Holiness. We talked about this last week in the rapture. We'll be clothed in robes of righteousness that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with salve, discernment, spiritual perception that you may see. Look at this. Verse 19. As many as I love. Somebody say love. Jesus rebukes those he loves. Listen, if you don't feel the voice of conviction when you do wrong anymore, you're in a dangerous place. When you feel the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, "Uh uh-uh, you don't do that, that doesn't please me. You better start thanking God. Thank you, Lord, that you still love me and you're still working on me. Come on, somebody. Jesus said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous. In other words, be passionate and repent. For those of you who read Revelation, you're the warning to the church in Ephesus. In chapter 2, Jesus said, you're doing good things, but you've lost your first love. In other words, you're going through the motions. You show up at church, you volunteer, you read the Bible, but there's no passion in your worship. There's no urgency when you pray. There's no lingering in the presence of God. One of the most troubling scriptures in all of the Bible is when Jesus said, in that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied? Have we not cast out devils in your name? And Jesus says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. That is a deeply troubling verse in the Bible. What is the meaning of it? It's found when Jesus says, I never knew you. I never had an intimate relationship with you yet. You knew enough about me and you were around my power to see it manifest in your life. But you never had a passionate love for me. Oh, that we would get a passionate love for Jesus in these last days. Oh, that we would chase after and pursue Jesus above all else. Oh, that we would love Jesus more than we love the things of this world. That we would seek his face and not just his hand, church. Are you getting the point Jesus is making here? He is not satisfied with mediocre, dead, dried up, Johnny-come-lately, half-hearted Christianity. He is not okay with one foot in the world and one foot in the church. 
So it's time for the church to get back to holiness, to get on our faces and cry out to God and seek Him. It's time to get off the fence and get on fire for Jesus. By the way, riding on the fence will get you one thing and one thing only. A sore crotch. Come on, tell somebody, get off the fence. The Bible says that our God is a consuming fire. Church, I'm going to challenge you today to put your life in the hands of God and let Him set you ablaze. I know that we're living in difficult times. I know that we're living in trying times. I know that this world can be exhausting at times. But God is up to something, y'all. God is not finished with us. Acts 2.17 says this, It shall come to pass when? Y'all got the scripture on the screen? Come on, Salvo. Y'all wake up up there. Amen. Acts 2.17. Acts 2.17. It shall come to pass when? When? When shall it come to pass? Oh, y'all preach it good now. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Sons and daughters. The generation that the church is saying don't serve God, it won't never serve God, it won't never be anything, it won't never come to anything. God is saying in the last days, those are the ones specifically I'm going to pour out my spirit on. In, in the last days, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. God is just looking for somebody who's willing to say, Lord, here I am. Use me. Set me on fire with the Holy Ghost. Use me to change my school. Use me to change my family. Use me to change my neighborhood. Use me to change my city. Come on, if you want to be a part of that, somebody ought to shout, yes. Hallelujah. My time is short. Don't worry. I, I won't keep you long. But this is what I want to teach you this morning. That there in the last days, and at the end of all things, there are two books and there are two thrones. The first book is called the Lamb's Book of Life. Hebrews 12, 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, to the, not the earthly, but the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven. Did you know there's a role in heaven? Hallelujah. Revelation 21, 27. How are we registered? Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So that's our first book, the Lamb's Book of Life. Come on, somebody say, the Lamb's Book of Life. Listen, when you give Jesus your heart, He writes your name in His book. And you know what? Jesus gave the disciples the authority and the power to heal the sick, to cast out devils and raise the dead. And you know what? They got excited about it. Wouldn't you? They got happy about it. They were rejoicing. They were like, oh, high-fiving each other. Yay, Jesus. And you know what Jesus said? Uh, you, you don't need to get excited about that. What you really ought to rejoice in is the fact that your name is written in heaven. Oh, we got anybody here this morning? Your name is written in heaven? You ought to rejoice in that every day of your life. Hallelujah. My name is written down in glory. My name is in the book of life. 
There's a song we used to sing growing up in the Pentecostal church when somebody would come to the altar and give their life to the Lord. We used to sing, there is a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. Hallelujah. Somebody say, two books, two thrones. The first book determines whether we enter the kingdom of God. That's the Lamb's book of life. The second book determines what happens at the judgment seat of Christ. This second book is called the Book of Remembrance. Somebody say remembrance. Y'all got to help me this morning. All right. We see an example of a book of remembrance in the book of Esther. The Bible says that the king of Persia kept a book of remembrance for those who had done good things for the king and for the kingdom of Persia. In fact, he sent to the record house and said, is Mordecai in the book? Did you know that in heaven, God has a book just like that? It records everything that you've done for him in his life. Malachi 3.16, then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. So God is keeping record in heaven of what you do in this life. Now notice that this book is for those who fear the Lord. We talk about God wiping the record clean, and that's a good thing, right? Because if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. That means that when you are born again, when you give your life to Jesus, He erases the record of your past and washes away in His blood the record of your sin. Can I get an amen? But when you become a believer, when you're born again into the kingdom of God, God starts a new book and writes down the things that you do as a child of God. And when Jesus comes back to get his church, this is what's going to happen. Second Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the good things done while in the body. That means while here on earth, whether good or bad. Come on, hey, y'all help me out. Somebody say judgment seat. The Bible actually clearly describes what this is, but you got to go back to the original Greek. You know, I started out this morning talking about a race, and there's a reason for that. Because the term judgment seat in Greek is not two words. It's one word. It's the word bima. B-E-M-A. Can y'all say that? Say bima. See, last week I had y'all talking Hebrew. Now I got you speaking Greek. Come on, say that again. Bima. Okay, if you don't memorize any, any Greek from the Bible, this is a good word to memorize. Bima. B-E-M-A. And the word bima tells us the whole story. Because in ancient Greece, the bima was a platform that they would build at the finish line of the race. And when people crossed the finish line, that's where the judges would award the winners. You all with me? This is not used for other things in the Bible. This is only used to describe the judgment seat of Christ. It is the bema of Christ. He is standing at the finish line. And when you cross the finish line, he's giving awards to those who run the race well. So the judgment seat of Christ, the judgment for believers, is not a courtroom to determine whether you go to heaven or hell. Y'all understand that? One of you? Y'all with me so far? If your name is in the Lamb's book of life, you go up in the rapture. 
Okay, so you're already in. You'll, you'll see. You're already in, right? Right? I'm in the first book. I go up in the rapture. But when I stand before the, the, the Bema, the judgment seat of Christ, then God opens the second book. Okay? Mm-hmm. This is yes, this is no. Y'all hook up with me somewhere. Y'all staring at me like a cow in new gate. <laughs> Amen. Just listen to the podcast. All right. If you have questions, put it on a red card. And I'll, talk, I'll preach another sermon on it if I got to. Amen. All right. But the, the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema of Christ, is a platform to reward those who have done good work in the kingdom of God. Listen, salvation comes through faith in Christ alone. Right? That's settled in the Lamb's Book of Life. But your reward in heaven is based on what you do for Him in this life on earth. And Jesus doesn't want you to show up empty-handed. That's, that's the whole heart of my message to you today. Is that when we stand before the Bema, Jesus doesn't want you to stand there with nothing to show for this Christian walk. You remember the parable of the talents? Jesus said that a master entrusted his servants with his talents and he went away. And the one who had five talents invested the five talents and got five more. The one who had two talents invested the two talents and got two more. But the Bible says the wicked servant took the one talent and buried it in the ground. And when the master came back, the one who buried it in the ground, who did nothing at all with it, even what he had was taken away from him. That's a warning to us, church. Jesus doesn't want you to show up empty-handed. He is putting talents and treasures and abilities in the life of every single believer, every single follower of Jesus, and He expects us to do something with what He puts inside of us. I heard a vision that a pastor had several, actually many years ago, about 40 years ago. This pastor was in an accident and he was in critical condition in the hospital. And like the Apostle Paul describes, being caught up into the third heaven. He said he doesn't know whether he, he died or whether this was a vision. But he was laying in the hospital and an angel took his arm and pulled his spirit out of his body. And he remembers looking down over his body in that hospital room, and in the next instant, he was in the glory of heaven. And he was waiting in a very long line, in a very long tunnel. And everybody in this line, they were all believers, and they all had a book. Some people had thin books, some people had thick thick books, some people had volumes of books. And he was waiting for a very long time. But he said when the line started moving, it started moving very, very quickly. And they went into the throne room of God. And he said he couldn't see the face of God. He saw the back of the throne of God. But people were standing all around this throne. He said there were millions and millions of people standing around the throne of God. And he said when the fire of God came out from the throne of God, it touched every book. And some were turned into beautiful gold and beautiful precious stones and others were burned up into ashes. And he said he had another vision at the same time where he was standing before the judgment seat of Christ. And and he said in this vision there was a famous televangelist who walked and stood before Jesus and he had stacks and stacks of books of all the works that he had done in ministry. And he stood before Jesus and Jesus touched the books. They all turned to ashes. And he hung his head 
in shame before the Lord. Jesus said, enter the kingdom. And then a, a lady came behind him. And the angel told him that was his intercessor. She's prayed faithfully for souls to come into the kingdom throughout his ministry. And all she had was one little book. She stood before Jesus and he touched it and it turned to gold and it turned to precious stones. And Jesus fashioned a beautiful ground and placed it on her head. And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. So he entered the joy of the Lord. And with head held high, she walked into the kingdom of God. It's a vision that paints a picture of the judgment seat of Christ. And do you know... That, that what I just described is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians 3.10. Whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. Somebody say very careful. Right there at the bottom of the verse. Be very careful for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. So this is talking about believers building on the foundation of Jesus Verse 12, anyone who builds on that foundation may have used a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw, but on the judgment day, somebody say judgment day, what does it say? Fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. So church, my, I'm quickly running out of time, but my question to you this morning is, do you want to barely make it into heaven? Or do you want to hear Jesus say, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. We will be rewarded for the things that we do on this earth for Jesus. Every prayer that you pray, every moment of worship in the presence of God, every song you sing to the Lord. Think about this. Every kind word you speak, every time you testify of the goodness of God and share the gospel, every time you feed and clothe the poor and help the widows and the orphans, God is writing a record of that. Every tithe and every offering that you give, God is keeping a record in heaven. And do you know that when you give to support the work of the church, you are partaking in the rewards of every soul that is saved, every life that is changed? Every ministry we do is because of our faithful tithers. Every ministry. I had somebody a couple weeks ago say something that caught me off guard. He said, oh, y'all that rich church. I said, school me? He said, y'all got that big charter school. He said, I know how much they pay in rent. And I said, oh, tell me. <laughs> the STEM school that's over there, they pay about $100,000 a year to their developer for the trailers they live in. But the church gets a lot of rent. <laughs> They thought we were raking in mega millions. Listen, we, we make just enough on those two schools to pay the insurance on that building. In fact, when it comes to maintenance, we're upside down on that building. we got to fund maintenance out of our budget over here. So literally, everything we do as a church is because you give. 
That means every time you tithe, every time you give offerings, you're sharing in the reward of the work that God is doing through us as a ministry. Not only here, but our missionaries around the world. Nothing is too great or too small for God to notice. Jesus said, even if you give a prophet a cup of cold water in my name, you'll have the prophet's reward. God even, God even saw and took notice of the widows last night. That means that when you gave a dollar in the offering, when you only had two dollars, God put that in the record book because he pays attention. Mm. When we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that even each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Is that what the first says? Oh, help us, Jesus. Church, it's time to take our walk with God seriously. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That means God has taken note of when you refuse to pray. When you're too proud to worship. When you don't share the gospel and testify of the goodness of God. We're going to give an account that before Him for the good and the bad. Every lie, every deception, every manipulation, everything will be exposed before God. Nothing is hidden from Him. Oh, help us, Lord. Every time you don't tithe, every time you don't give. Listen, there are ministries that we don't have and we don't do because people don't give. Oh, I'm just going to preach like I'm an evangelist and I don't have to come back next Sunday. Listen, the church isn't broke, but we've got to be incredibly wise in how we manage our finances. Y'all wonder why we don't have parking lot lights. It's because we want to keep feeding the kids on Sunday morning. We have limited resources because not everybody's giving and not everybody's faithful in tithing. Is God going to hold us accountable for the ministry that didn't happen because we didn't give? Is God writing down every time that we're bashing pastors and churches and ministries? Oh, my Jesus. The Bible says in the Old Testament, do not put a stumbling block in front of the blind. It was a crime in the Old Testament. Yet how many Christians go around bashing ministries and pastors to people who don't know God. You know what you're doing? You're putting a stumbling block before the blind. And I, I want to know, is their blood going to be on your hands when they don't make the decision to follow Jesus? Because they hear you trash churches. I'm not talking about me. I don't care what you say about me. I love Jesus. I'm scaring that. But I'm hearing so much slander and so much. There are entire YouTube channels of so-called Christians committing full-time to criticizing and tearing apart other preachers and pastors. Jesus said, you don't know what kingdom you're of. A house divided cannot stand. God is making note of these things in church. If we don't repent now, and what is repent? It doesn't mean, I'm sorry. Repent means you're walking the wrong way. You turn around and you start walking the right way. It means that you stop tearing down the kingdom of God and dividing the kingdom of God and turning brothers and sisters of Christ against each other. And you turn around and you start praying for unity in the church and you pray for those churches and you pray for those pastors and you encourage one another and you beg reconciliation and build unity in the body of Christ. 
Because every one of us will stand before Jesus and give an account of what we did in His kingdom for the good and the bad. Remember Jesus' warning in the book of Revelation, Revelation 3.19, as many as I love. I'm saying this because I love you this morning. He said, as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Just like that phone ring and God is calling you this morning. <laughs> Holy Spirit is calling you. Jesus said, I rebuke you and I chasten you because I love you. So be zealous and repent. Listen, if you're failing as a Christian, if you're just squeezing by, it's time to repent and turn yourself wholly over to God today. It's time to get on fire for God. All of us have been complacent. My goodness. You don't think I've ever had a Sunday where I didn't feel like going to church? Ain't that ironic? You think I've never had a Sunday where I didn't feel like praising God? Ain't that ironic? All of us go through that. But Jesus said, well, if you lose your first love, remember where you've fallen from. And get back to that place where your heart is on fire for Him. Hallelujah. Listen, I'm done. Two books, two thrones. The judgment seat of Christ is for believers. But at the end of the millennial reign of Christ, there's something called the great white throne judgment. You don't want to be standing before God in that day. That is God's final judgment on the wicked. See, the believers won't be standing before the great white throne because we're going to plead the blood. God's given us a plea deal. We're going to plead the blood of Jesus. We're covered in His righteousness and not our own. But in that day, if you're not covered in the blood of Christ, you're going to stand before God and give an account of every sin in your life. Nobody is exempt. That's what I'm trying to say. Nobody is exempt from judgment. We will all stand before God. But Jesus offers us hope. He offers salvation. He is the way, the truth, and the life. I feel God moving on somebody's heart this morning. I got one last scripture to read. Second Peter 2.20. It says, when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they're worse off than before. It would have been better if they had never known the way to righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. They proved the truth of this proverb. A dog returns to its vomit and a washed pig returns to the mud. Do you know what the Bible's saying there? If you have known Jesus, it's better to never have known Him than to know Him and walk away. But I feel the Holy Ghost calling somebody back home today. If you're hearing this message right now, if you're hearing it, it's not too late. I feel the Lord calling you to come back to Him, to come back to God, to come back to Him. Listen, so many people slide away from God. It's time to slide back to Him this morning. In fact, don't slide. Run back to Him today. He is calling you. There is still hope. There is still time. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Maybe you feel like you're struggling and failing as a Christian. Listen, Jesus sits on the bema, not judging you on how many times you fail, but on how many times you got back up. God is saying, get up. 
Get back on your feet. Don't grow weary in doing well. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. If there are areas where you know in your heart that you failed, repent and turn away and come back to Him and He will give you the strength and the power and the anointing and the passion and the resources to make it happen. We stand this morning as we pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your great mercy. God, I thank you. Lord, this was a heavy word, but God, I did what you told me to do. And Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Lord, move on the hearts of the people this morning. God, even as we're getting ready to baptize people, God, I thank you that you're transforming lives. Lord, you've been working heavy on somebody's heart. God, I thank you. I thank you. Hallelujah. Church, come on, begin to pray and intercede this morning for just a moment. Oh, God, I thank you that lives are in the balance. Holy Spirit, I thank you. Hallelujah. God, I thank you that every lie of the devil is being put to shame. Every lie of the enemy is being exposed. God, I thank you for touching and moving on every heart this morning. I thank you, God, that there's not a person on this planet you don't love. There's not a person you didn't give yourself on the cross to save. God, I thank you, Lord, you proved your love for us. That while we were yet sinners, while we were at our worst, you sent your son, Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. God, to wash our sins away. Lord, You did for us what we could not do for ourselves. You paid the ultimate price. And God, I pray for those who are not in right relationship with You. God, maybe they've never known You. Lord, maybe they've backslid. Maybe they've fallen away. God, maybe they've lost their first love. But God, by the power of Your Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I'm calling them back this morning. I'm calling them back home. I'm calling them back into the loving arms of Jesus. I'm calling them back, God, to the place where they belong. In the house of God and in the family of God. And in the calling and the purposes of God. Lord, I thank you that you love them more than anything. God, I thank you they're not listening to this message by accident or by mistake. But God, you drew them here by your spirit. And today is a day of second chances. Today is a day of new beginnings. God, I thank you that the weight of sin and the weight of guilt and the weight of the past is going to be lifted today by the power of the blood of Jesus. Oh, God, I thank you for your great power. Lord, I thank you for breaking every yoke, for breaking every bondage. Lord, I thank you for the blinders falling off their eyes in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you, God, that your blood is greater and stronger than all the power of sin. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, that today, God, today is a day of salvation. Thank you, Jesus. I want to lead you in a prayer to help you start your journey back to God. Will you pray this prayer with me? Jesus forgive my sins. Jesus, you are Lord. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. I repent of every sin. I give you my heart. I give you my will. I give you my priorities. I give you my whole life. And with your help, I'll follow you the rest of my life. Now lift your hands high to heaven. Lift your hands to heaven this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for your wonderful power. Come on, somebody, just worship Him this morning. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're restoring the years that the enemy has stolen. God, you're restoring the years the enemy has stolen. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're putting it back. 
You're putting it back. You're, Lord, you're, you're restoring ministry gifts. God, that people thought the enemy had taken, that they would never regain. God, I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit moving and falling in this place, that you are the God of restoration, Lord. Thank you, God, for restoration now in the mighty name of Jesus. God, I thank you that you're healing broken hearts. I thank you that you're breaking generational curses. God, I thank you that you're healing emotional wounds. God, that go so, so deep. But you are the God who makes all things new. Lord, I thank you for a new heart this morning. I thank you for a new mind this morning. God, I thank you for breaking the power of pornography in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for breaking the power of alcoholism in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for breaking the power of drug addiction in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for breaking the addiction of social media off of somebody's life. God, that they don't have to live under the curse of the satisfaction of man, but from this day forward, they will live to please God and God alone. Father, I thank you for breaking every burden. God, breaking every yoke by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Oh, God, I thank you. I thank you for lifting burdens. God, I thank you for breaking the power of depression in the name of Jesus. Oh, come on, church. Worship, worship, worship him. Worship him. There's freedom in his presence. There's power in his presence. Oh, God, I thank you. I thank you. I see in the spirit there's a there's a helmet made of stone that has been covering somebody's head. I, it's a, I see it in the spiritual realm. It's a helmet of stone. It is anxiety and depression that has been weighing your mind and has been weighing and controlling your thoughts. And I see it cracking now. Oh, I see the glory of God shining through the cracks. Oh, come on, don't clap. Just worship. Just worship Him. Just receive it now. Receive freedom in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for the power of depression falling off of them. God, I thank you, Lord. God, for every bit of anxiety falling in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you. I thank you by the power of your Holy Ghost for breaking every bondage and every stronghold. God, I thank you for freeing their minds that so they're not living under the weight of anxiety anymore. That, God, they have the mind of Christ in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, break every bondage. Break every stronghold. Freedom in the name of Jesus. Freedom in the name of Jesus. Freedom by the power of the Holy Spirit. Where there once was fear and anxiety, there will now be praise and beauty. Oh, thank you, God. Hallelujah, Lord, we magnify you. We magnify the mighty name of Jesus, that name that is above every name. That name that is above every name. Oh, King Jesus, we praise you. You are the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who is and was and is to come. You are, oh God, great and greatly to be praised. Magnify you, Jesus. God, I thank you that chains are falling off. I thank you that bondages are being broken. God, I thank you, Lord, that sins that people have wrestled with for years are being broken now in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for pouring out your spirit, pouring out your spirit, pouring out your spirit, Lord. Oh, God, I thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, I thank you. Hallelujah. Jesus said, God.
God would give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. If you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you don't have a heavenly prayer language, come on, just throw your hands up. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Say, Lord, you promised in your word to give your Holy Spirit to those who ask. And Lord, I ask for it now and receive it by faith. In the name of Jesus, now lift up your hands and magnify God. Lift up your hands and magnify the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, open up your mouth. You're going to feel words start bubbling up in your spirit. And when you do, you just begin to pray in a heavenly language this morning. Let God pray mysteries in the spirit through you. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. God promised it to every believer. It doesn't belong to the Pentecostals. It belongs to the church. You are a child of God, and that promise is yours. Come on, church. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit flow through you. God baptize us in the Holy Ghost this morning. We need the Holy Ghost in fire. Let your fire fall. Pour out your spirit this morning, O oh God. Stir us up, O oh God. Revive us, O oh Lord. Oh, God, I thank you for the wonderful gift of your Holy Spirit that is moving and falling in this place today. Thank you, God, for baptizing us in the Holy Ghost on this baptism Sunday. Oh, Lord, we yield to your agenda this morning. Holy Ghost, have your way today. Lord, make us ready. Sanctify us. Purify us in the fire of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, God. Come on, lift up your voice. Come on, if you've been baptized in the Spirit, let it flow out of your mouth this morning. I feel the glory of God moving in this place. Thank you, Jesus. God is bringing liberty to somebody this morning. Oh, Lord, I thank you. We won't be long, but let's linger just another moment. Linger just another moment. God, I thank you for pouring out your spirit this morning. Come on, church. Magnify him. Praise him. Glorify him. Worship him this morning. He's worthy. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you and lift you up. We magnify your wonderful name this morning. Precious name of Jesus. The mighty name of Jesus. The baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Our redeemer. Our savior. Our wonderful counselor. Our Prince of Peace. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We bless the wonderful name of Jesus. God, we thank you for rivers of living water flowing in this house today. Lord, we thank you for times of refreshing in your presence. Thank you for times of refreshing in your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, if you need a refreshing from God, will you just lift up your hands and say, God, refresh me. Lord, refresh me. Lord, refresh me. I don't know about you. I've I felt the dryness of this season. I felt the cares of this world trying to pull me down. But I tell you, church, the last two weeks, God has been doing a shaking inside of me like I have never known. God wants to bring refreshing to his church. He wants to bring refreshing to this city. He wants to pour out his spirit like never before. Thank you, God, for times of refreshing in your presence. Times of refreshing in your presence. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I exalt thee. Come on, you sing that with me. I exalt thee. I exalt thee. Oh, Lord. Come on, sing it to the King of Kings this morning. I exalt Jesus, we lift you up in this place. I exalt. We magnify your holy name. I exalt thee. Will you sing that one more time? I'm going to ask everybody being baptized. Will you come? I exalt Lord, we thank you for these lives who are committing themselves to you publicly today. We exalt you, Jesus, and we thank you, God. I exalt thee. Oh, Lord. Lord, we lift up your name. I Oh, y'all sounded good this morning. I exalt. Come on, lift it up loud today. Lord, we exalt you together this morning.